Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? Here we are, episode four of Sales Process. Control the cycle. We've took a little bit of a break here. We had a listener's choice that we decided to jump in and share with everybody over the last couple weeks. Hopefully you enjoyed it. It was about interview best practices. We have a lot of people reaching out to us as Microsoft's end of year has just occurred. And a lot of people are in their mid-year. I think jobs are opening up and everybody's getting a lot of chances to uh, take a shot. So hopefully you enjoyed that. We'd love your feedback. I love some of the notes we've already got. Uh, Brian, you were just home. How was that trip? It was good. Um, Man, it's been a long time since I've been home. And you can clearly hear that I'm back in Windsor as the airplane flies over our home. Uh, But yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, It's been since, like I said, late November, early December since we'd been back to see everyone. A lot of dinners, a lot of of wine, a lot of time with friends and family. Uh, It was a great time. It's going to be a while before we come back, too. So uh, I think we got it all in. The wife and kids stayed a bit longer than I did. I had to get back and get to work. Uh, but, yeah, all in all, it was a fantastic trip. And we got to see each other, which was pretty cool. Um, Indeed. Brian took a short stint into San Antonio. I flew one of my planes up to see Brian in a little town called New Bronzeville's in Texas. Uh, Brian had had good barbecue in a while, so we went to barbecue. And uh, I don't remember exactly what the bill was, Brian, but, but how much barbecue did we eat in that lunch sitting? I do. It was $74 for a lunch for two. But I think it was, we each ordered like two too many meats or something. But Yeah, uh, it didn't even it matter. I think it was like I was so locked in on having some great barbecue that I didn't care. Uh, so, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, yeah. In the show notes, we'll put a picture of the two of us standing at the tail of my plane and uh, let you guys see us connecting with one another after it's, I guess it's been six months since we got to see each other, too. So let's jump right in. This is episode four, sales process, control the cycle. Brian, let's talk through each of the episodes we've covered so far. In number one, we talked about really just the series in general. We talked about uh, the vocabulary and terms that we were going to use throughout the entire uh, five-episode series. And in number two, uncovering opportunities was really all about the first two stages when you do your prospecting and when you do your qualifying um, lots of good content there. If, you, if you've skipped ahead to this point, we highly recommend that you stop and go back and listen to episodes one and two. And in number three, we talked about the skill of uncovering and solving for both pain that's very obvious, but also latent pain to expand uh, opportunities and deals that you're working. Um, and that was really all about two things, develop and solution. And today we're going to cover the art of closing and cover the stages of both proof and close. And then next week, we'll give you our bonus stage and talk through wrapping everything up. So what is proof and close? Remember first, we agreed to and started working against the reverse timeline in the last episode. And now we're really going to hold them accountable to it. And we're going to finish that reverse timeline up as it relates to our solution. So in short, proof 
We'll complete the goals of the reverse timeline and present our final proposal. We must get verbal approval before we move out of proof into the closed stage. And in the closed stage, this is really where we're going to negotiate. And if you haven't been a fan for a long time or haven't been listening for a long time, go back and listen to our negotiating tips and tricks. Listener's Choice, probably uh, two months ago we did it. It'll really help you think through how to pick what you're going to negotiate on and how to get to close where you get the customer to actually sign the documents, give you a PO or whatever your business uh, requires. And on that note, I'm rereading Getting to Yes. So uh, it's been a while since I've read it, so I'm, I'm excited to get through the pages again there. Perfect. We'll put that book in the show notes. And we've got a little bit, uh, I guess, presumptuous lately, but we would like you to buy that through our website. Uh, we get like a quarter from Amazon if you do buy from us, and uh, those quarters are starting to add up, so we'd appreciate you clicking through our website to buy that. So let's dive deeper into proof. Brian, why don't you start us off? Let's do it. It's proof at this point we've explored. Um, we, you know, we've got a pretty good uh, layout of what the opportunity is. Ideally, we've expanded that opportunity. Uh, we've qualified it, so we know that we're working with someone that is in power or is connected to someone in power that can make a decision. We've built some trust, which is crucial, I think, in this proof stage that we'll get to. We've built some and established some trust here, uh, ideally across multiple people within the account. And Bobby, I don't want to forget that we have people that are selling more commodity-based products, and we have people that are selling high-end server equipments and high-end ERP products as well. Um, So again, what you're selling, how big the group you're selling to, how big the committee is to make an approval, it's going to vary greatly. We're going to to kind of uh, talk about more of the average in the middle here. So we, we've kind of established trust with a group. Uh, we've gained commitment for them to continue to explore by some sort of evaluation plan or workback plan. Um, you call it a work, uh, reverse timeline. I call it an evaluation plan. And really, we've just started to develop our solution. We're trying to prove out some of the assertions that we made earlier in the sales cycle. Sometimes we get to this a little bit early when we're working with power. Um, we need to make sure we don't get too techy, too quick with the wrong people. Now that we've gotten to that group, we want to start talking value points, value proposition, those sorts of things, not just the technical win. Now, there will be people that are there around the technical win, and that's what we want to start focusing on. So it's it's a very common practice in my world today that we would start or in this phase, we would be executing on a proof of concept. It is the proof stage. So we might deliver a proof of concept. Brian, how do you guys deliver proof of concepts or have you, how have you seen uh, proof of concepts in the proof stage in the past? A couple ways. Uh, one is through just demonstrations to where we are, we are the hands-on keyboards proving out what the, what the product or solution could look like for the prospective customer. When we're at proof, that the proof stage, we're typically putting together a more um, a more tailored uh, proof of concept for them. We're actually doing stuff that may be really relevant to a business case that they have, rather than something that's a bit more generic. Right? We're we're investing pre-sales time, our own time, to make sure that we really nail down on what the crucial points are for them to evaluate. So sometimes that's us with hands-on keyboards. Sometimes it's giving them iPads so they can actually touch and feel what the solution could look like for them. But I think in, we called out trust as being really important here. I think sometimes if you've established good trust and your product or solution has credibility in the marketplace, at some point they may give you a list of 20 things that they want to make sure you accomplish. Sometimes just a yes, we can do that is sufficient. 
sometimes I think we get a little too caught up as the vendor side wanting to prove all the 20 items when it's as simple as, you know, can you handle, you know, multi-currency translations across different geographic reason, regions? If the answer is yes, the answer is yes. Do you necessarily need to see a demo of all these things? So I think if you've established really good trust and your product has good trust, uh, sometimes you can accelerate this proof of concept. Good point. When we re- when we record next week, let's talk about that as we talk about our bonus stage because once we've got that level of trust, it'll be a lot easier to do those things in the bonus stage as well. So that's a good point as well. In my case, I think sometimes we let proof of concepts go too long. We're trying to prove that we're a lot better than our competitors in some instances. I mean, there's ways to do proof, the stage of proof, without actually doing a proof of concept. Um, but you probably have to have trust and you probably have to have a little bit of a record of success before you can go on and do that as well. And as, as with every one of these meetings, preparation is so crucial here. I can't tell you how many meetings over the years to where, you know, maybe this is the final proof of concept scenario list that we're doing for them, but because there wasn't adequate preparation for it, we didn't hit the nail on the head and we came up a little bit short. Maybe we missed, you know, 20% of what we intended to show, or we didn't do a pre-call to get prepared for kind of the proof of concept meeting. The point of it is you can, you can very, these are costly endeavors, right? Maybe you care, maybe you don't care about what this costs your company. If you think about the pre-sales people involved, the resources, the systems involved to execute on a proof of concept, these are expensive ventures and on your time too. But just a little bit of preparation here goes a really long way in ensuring that you, you nail that meeting on the first go around. Yeah. And if we're going to hold ourselves accountable to that level of preparation and effort, I think often I also see where reps with vendors and sometimes reps with partners don't hold the customer accountable. How many times have we agreed that we would run something for 30 days that ended up being 90 or even 120 days? I mean, clearly for the company that spans multiple quarters and that's got to be very hard to forecast. And as I've seen Dell supply chain get a little closer and a little closer to that Dell supply chain, our forecast becomes very important for how the company's able to do business and how we're able to save that. It's it's kind of dynamic that would surprise a lot of people. And in other areas of business, whether it be services, where you need to make sure you have the right number of people or software, where you got to make sure you have the right set of features, it's a big deal that you, you do the right proof of concepts if you're going to do a proof of concept. And think about people that you can involve in this process too, outside of the traditional pre-sales. Maybe there's like a group of engineers that you work with for a lot of these deals. Uh, Perhaps somebody on the corporate side can help support a proof of concept here. Maybe this is a chance to engage an executive. You are investing, uh, this is where you're probably investing the most amount of resource from your side, whether that's pure system resource or pure people resource. So think about what kind of trades you can do here to strengthen that trust and relationship. Um, it, it, you know, everyone's got kind of their, we talked about this the other day, everyone should kind of have a back of the napkin list of, of just kind of different approaches, different people to get involved in your deals, different strategies. Um, this is a good chance to insert those in here because again, you're investing a majority of the time here. There's a good time to get some asks on your side as well. Yeah, and the last thing that we don't do a good job of is hold our customers accountable to whether it be that length of the time 
or their commitments. I, I see proof of concepts where we start off and the customer, like you said, Brian, can you do these 20 things or 10 things or whatever it is? Let's assume we, we have a test plan and we solve those 10 things. We're at a stage, in this stage, the verifiable outcome is to get verbal approval. So if I can do those 10 things, why is the customer not saying yes? Are they trying to negotiate with me early? Are they trying to just see if I can do 10 more things? Let's hold them accountable as well. It's hard as salespeople. We're scared we're going to lose the deal or we're going to get uh, in a point where we're frustrating the customer, losing some of that trust. But if at the beginning they said these 10 things, do it, and you agreed that they would make the next steps towards buying and you accomplish those 10 things, well, why aren't we moving forward? That should be a big red flag for you for sure. Uh, you really need to ask for the business at this point. They need to give you that verbal approval before you change the stage that you're in a move to close. Somebody I work with uses the phrase grown-up conversations here, and this is really where you need to be having the grown-up conversations with them. They don't have to be contentious. They don't have to be, uh, well, they shouldn't be contentious. They shouldn't be rude. You've gotten this far, but there, there comes a moment of truth to where you're sitting down. I'm not a very direct person when it comes to this, but I always have the conversation. And I usually take a soft close approach to where I'm asking them for their business um, in, a, in a roundabout way. I don't want to be too presumptuous about it, but I'll ask them, hey, you know, we've, I feel like we've been able to accomplish X, Y, and Z for you. Uh, we still have, you know, Q and X to, to finish here with you. Uh, and I know we have this timeline of getting contracts to your legal team to review by this date and you have intentions of signing on this date, really reevaluating the evaluation plan or the workback plan. This is that time to really get specific about it. Are we on track? Are things looking good? Can you see contracts routing through legal uh, quickly? Can you still see us signing our, our contracts on this date? It's time to get very specific about these things. The soft close is a great way of putting it. And you have to ask. If you're not asking, you're never going to get it. In some cases, those guys and girls will just drag you through it for months and months on end. But we have to think of our quarter. We have to think of our half. We have to think of what we're forecasting and try to get the verbal and hold them accountable to that work back plan or reverse timeline, whatever you want to call it. So once we do get that verbal, we move into the stage of close. Now, close is not just picking up a PO. This is the end of the sales process. We've We've highlighted and talked about now six stages where we'll talk about the sixth tier at close. But this is really where we're in negotiations. We're working through final terms. We're getting contracts signed. We're getting POs. We're getting whatever it is to finalize this agreement that we're going to do business with one another. This can get extremely complicated. In my world, there's many times where partners are engaged. Who's going to hold that person accountable for getting that contract that PO done it's really a stair-step approach in that case where the customer has to do with the partner the partner has to do with me and there's reasons why those impending events and drivers might be not so equal for both of those parties have you ever experienced where a partner uh, inhibited you getting a deal done Brian well Microsoft everything was done through the channel and there were times to where a partner was super helpful in getting business done. And there were times where the partner was really a challenge to get things done. And it's, it's, as you mentioned, it's in your work back plan, my evaluation plan, it was a crucial part. And they were included on those evaluation plans to ensure that I was managing them as well as the customer, as well as the deal. Uh, because to your point, that can be, uh, that can really interfere with the process. Often I've had two reverse timelines, one for the partner and one for the customer. 
and I would know when something was breaking down just based on the partner missing something, not necessarily the customer was missing something. Many times they need an MSA, they need an agreement, they need to fill out their vendor form. I might have had all my stuff done, but if the if the partner hadn't done it with the customer, that deal's still at risk. It's not going to get done. So we've talked a lot about contracts. I think one of the big misses at this point is we wait till this part, and we've talked about it earlier, but we wait till this part for legal to get involved. Uh, to all of our friends out there that are lawyers or part of legal, we don't understand why it takes you guys three weeks to look at a one-page document, but it seems to take the same three weeks at every company, every legal department, every lawyer. There's clearly a backlog like no one understands, but it's going to take time. Get those contracts to legal. When what I've seen more and more lately is that companies are outsourcing legal to third parties. These third parties have worked with you as a vendor before, probably, so they know what kind of red lines they can or cannot get. And sometimes they don't know, and sometimes they do know what they can't get. They just continue to ask for it. But just expect it, and then that should be one of your questions as part of that evaluation plan. Do you have third-party legal? Uh, how long does it take for them to get through that? Do you intend to use your own internal legal team? Uh, sometimes these questions can lead to other more challenging questions, so be smart about how you ask it and who you ask it to, uh, but that's something you should be cognizant of. Highly recommend that you go back and listen to our tips and tricks for negotiating. We won't talk about all of that again here. The keys to be thinking about, though, are timeline, who's involved, what's the chain of command for that signature or ultimate decision to be made. We've got verbal from what we'll call our coaches and champions inside of the, the organization, but if it's a big deal, which we hope it is, the one person's probably not just going to sign that check. So if we haven't figured all that out, we need to do that between proof and, and close, understand all those involved. Is there a board member, board meeting that's going to have to happen, a steering committee, any of those sorts of things that we haven't thought through? I still harp on it, and I still see people trip over all the time where they haven't taken into account holidays. Even in the summer that we're in right now, I, I, I might have the best laid plans, but if my CIO of the customer I'm going to sign a big deal with is on vacation and I didn't ask it, it ain't going to get signed. It is big time holiday season right now in Europe and things in some countries in Europe shut down in July. Uh, so if you're not, if you, you, you didn't have uh, contracts or approval from a group of people, uh, a board that you were waiting on for approval, that thing's, you're, you're done. You're not doing anything until August. And then you think they're not going to be, you think they're going to prioritize your deal on August 1st? They got 2,000 emails sitting in their inbox when they get back. Often I have reps ask, well, how do I overcome this, right? I don't know how to overcome this problem. And I think it is just helping the customer get their deal done. They want to buy at this point. They want the solution. They've probably been thinking and working on this for over a year internally. We have the opportunity to help drive it. So when you're working on that reverse timeline, four stages ago, be thinking about when you're going to close and what those hindrances around holidays, dates, anniversaries, whatever might prevent you some hiccup or slowdown and call those, start calling those out early on. As you get through proof and you've been at that point where Brian was talking about gut checking the, that timeline one more time, really right there, start asking about holidays. Hey, this is the summertime. Are they normally a bunch of people off? How do we eliminate that? How do we have a backup plan? Do they have a delegate to sign when they're out? If your 
if you're that A++ sales rep that we hope we're helping you guys all be, then you're going to be able to help them by thinking through all of this for them, putting it in front of them on paper, and letting them answer some questions that's going to be able to get your deal done in a timely manner. And the, the number one feedback piece of feedback that I gave to all of my account executives when I was a manager at Microsoft is if you have that hot sweats in the morning, waking up at 5 a.m., worried about a deal, worried about what status it's at, it's probably because your evaluation plan has gotten out of control, and they all do. It's not something you did, probably. So this is a great time if you're struggling with a deal, worried about a deal. This is a great time to first thing when you wake up or get up out of bed is sit down and map that step by step by step by step out. Connect with your prospect in the morning, and I guarantee you will have a much better sleep the next night. Finally, I'll say this is the one stage that we all live for. This is the close, people. Celebrate. You know, we have just won a big deal. Hopefully, we've gone through that process and they've signed it. They've given us a PO. I, I see people always forget the ones that were around them that helped them get that deal done. The SE who stayed up late nights building the proposal with all the tech specs. The developer who changed code four or five times in the last 48 hours so that you would get that one feature done that would get you the signature on your dotted line. And then we see that salesperson come in the next day after getting it signed, beating their chest and saying, look what I have closed. Not everybody does it, but if you're that guy or that girl, take a step back. You have a big team of people that helps you get to this point. You have a lot of support staff from managers to executives who might have picked up the phone call and made a call. Often when I hear from a, the surrounding team and I ask, you know, what's the one thing we should be doing different or better as a team? It comes up that... I helped on such and such deal and I never heard if we won it. Did we win it? You know, send out a win wire, celebrate the success, have a happy hour if that's what you're comfortable doing. Take people to breakfast if you're not happy with a happy hour. But don't forget to celebrate, but don't forget to say thank you to the, the large group that helped as well. Not only, not only is it incredibly um, helpful to your relationships, it's not only is it the right thing to do, it will help you in your future deals as well. If that solution consultant or engineer just gets a text message from you a week after you sign the deal to where you kind of give them the, hey, thanks for that. It was awesome. You did a great job. A week after you sign the deal over text message versus they're the first person you call or the second person you call after you get signatures on the contracts, they will remember that forever. If it's, a, if it's one of these massive deals that you've been working for a long time, if you're the first person they call and you tell them, how does it feel? for you to have been the engineer that got us to this point to get it done. That is special to them because it's special to us to win these deals too. It's just as special to them. And I guarantee you they will remember that when it comes to the next time that that next customer needs you to make a change in the schedule and the agenda the day before a demo and they got to stay up till nine or 10 or one o'clock in the morning. Um, that will factor into it. I guarantee it. You just said something that, that kind of struck a chord with me. It's a big deal to them. What's not a big deal to them most of the time in my career has been the money. You know, we're we're cashing commission checks in our mind the second we get that PO and trying to calculate exactly how much we made. SEs and solution consultants aren't always doing that. Sure, they care about what they contributed to the bottom line, but their most precious kind of thought process that I've seen anyway 
is that I built something that's going to solve that customer's business problem or, or pain point as it relates to what I was asked to do. It's almost like a victory of a small battle that they've accomplished. And a lot of times they don't even hear about it. So don't forget to celebrate that. Internally, at different companies, there's different ways to recognize success. If you have a way to recognize success, get out there and get that tool and put it in. And quite often, because they don't care about the money and they're not going to get a huge commission check like you might be getting, don't forget to give them a gift from time to time. Uh, I'll say it in the last six months, uh, a, a partner of mine did just hours upon hours of work. We really got across the hurdle and won a deal. We were joking around one day. He saw my AirPods and said, I would never spend that kind of money on a pair of headphones. And I didn't even say anything else about it to him. I didn't dive into it as uh, you should go buy some. I went right to the Apple store, bought him a pair of AirPods, and handed them to him the next day and said, you earn these tenfold. Enjoy them. Uh, I appreciate your time and effort. And it meant the world to him to get something that cost me pennies as it related to the uh, commission check that I won for that order. So don't forget to just give a little gift from time to time like that. It really goes a long way. So we've talked about the proof and the close as it relates to the sales cycle. And we're going to wrap up this, this episode, which is number four. And we got one more next week. We're going to talk through a bonus stage that we're going to talk about. And I'm going to give you a little tip, a little hint to it now. And we probably already did, but it's going to be the deploy stage. It's got to be part of your sales process that you are involved and engaged in the deploy stage. So far, we've really kind of taught the customer what they needed. We've kind of tailored that message and we've controlled it to close. Now we got to help make sure that they are successful and validate that we said that our stuff would do this and it's doing this and this is the benefit you're deriving from. We got a number of interviews coming up as well. I think you'll love them. So we'll have uh, two interviews uh, back to back and then we'll start the next series. It's really all going to be about the challenger cell. So we're going to put a lot of this to work under the lens of the challenger cell book. So if you haven't read it yet, we've got a review on our website, buy it through our website. If you don't mind, like Bobby said, we're trying to collect those quarters through the site and you'll have you know kind of a few weeks to uh, read it ahead of the uh, episodes that we start off there. Perfect. So next week we'll wrap all this up a sales process. We'll talk about the, the seventh stage, the secret seventh stage of deploy and the things that you need to do to make your customer successful. And then we'll talk and maybe reveal some of our interview guests and you'll hear those interviews and talk about our plans for the challenger sale. A refresher for tech sellers will be this, the, the series title. With that, as always, remember, average is the enemy. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.